Hello and welcome. I'm Fernando, a GP in the UK. Today we will go through clinical guidance and advice on erectile dysfunction. For this, I have looked at guidance by NICE, also by the British Association of Urological Surgeons, the American Urology Association and the European Association of Urology. I will summarize the guidance from a primary care perspective only. So let's jump into it. Erectile dysfunction is seen in 50 to 55% of men between the ages of 40 and 70. It is often associated with obesity, hypertension, hyperlipidemia and diabetes. And most treatable causes can be identified by clinical history, physical examination and routine blood tests. And we will start by taking a detailed sexual history. It is advisable to use a validated patient questionnaire, such as the Shortened Sexual Health Inventory for Men, or SHIM, to assess the presence, severity and impact of erectile dysfunction. A link to this questionnaire can be found in the episode description. Otherwise, we will ask about onset, duration and quality of erections, whether nighttime or early moon erections are present, whether there are problems with their sex drive or libido, arousal and orgasm, whether there are symptoms of premature ejaculation or symptoms of prostatic obstruction because they are often associated with erectile dysfunction, and whether the relationship with the partner is affected. We will then ask about lifestyle factors such as their job and work pressures, ability to exercise, smoking and alcohol and drug consumption. And then we will look at the past medical history and other medical conditions which may be contributing to it. We must remember that erectile dysfunction can be a marker for cardiovascular disease. Then we will perform a general physical examination checking blood pressure, heart rate, height, weight and waist circumference, peripheral pulses and the nerve reflexes and legs. We will also look for any abnormality of the penis or testicles and we will check for gynecomastia or possible signs of hypogonadism. Rectal examination may be performed to assess the anal tone and to examine the prostate. After this, we should do a few routine investigations that will normally include HbA1c, lipid profile and fasting morning testosterone level, that is before 11am. Other blood tests such as the full blood count, renal, liver and thyroid function tests and PSA can be done depending on our clinical judgment. We should also consider urinalysis to test for glycosuria and hematuria. If the free testosterone level is low or borderline, we will repeat it together with FSH, LH, sex hormone binding globulin and prolactin levels. If on repeat testing, testosterone is still low and LH is high, then we're talking about primary hypogonadism, whereas if testosterone is low and LH is also low, then it would be secondary hypogonadism. When considering the possible cause, we should bear in mind that a physical cause normally has a gradual onset of symptoms, lack of tumescence and low to normal libido, whereas a psychogenic cause normally has a sudden onset, low libido and good quality, spontaneous or self-stimulated erections. A psychological component, often called performance anxiety, is common in men with erectile dysfunction, as well as relationship issues, stress, anxiety and depression. However, a purely psychological problem is seen in only 10% of men. Of the 90% of men who have an underlying physical cause, 
The main abnormalities found are up to 40% of men may have cardiovascular disease, for example, heart disease, hypertension and peripheral artery disease. Up to 33% of men may have diabetes. Up to 11% of men may have hormonal or drug problems. Examples of hormonal problems are hyperprolactinemia and hypogonadism. And drugs commonly associated with erectile dysfunction are antihypertensive drugs, diuretic, antipsychotics and antidepressants, antihistamines, methadone and recreational drugs such as heroin and cocaine. If a drug cause is suspected, we will consider stopping or switching the medication depending on our clinical judgment. Around 10% of men may have neurological disorders, for example, MS, Parkinson's disease, stroke or other diseases of the spinal cord or central nervous system. Up to 3-5% of men may have a history of pelvic surgery or trauma. And between 1-3% to of men will have anatomical abnormalities like phimosis, short penile frenulum, Peyronie's disease, inflammation and prostate cancer. When it comes to treatment in primary care, we should advise on sources of information and support, as well as encouraging lifestyle improvements. In fact, losing weight and increasing exercise can dramatically improve erectile dysfunction by up to 70%. We should obviously optimise the management of any underlying conditions, and if clinically appropriate, we should consider drug treatment with a phosphodiesterase 5-inhibitor or PDE 5-inhibitor. However, before offering a PDE5 inhibitor, we will need to do a cardiac risk stratification which will assess men into low, intermediate or high-risk cardiovascular categories depending on their risk factors and comorbidities. Men at low risk would be asymptomatic during moderate exercise and may have controlled hypertension, mild stable angina, mild valvular heart disease and mild heart failure or may have had an uncomplicated MI or a successful revascularization procedure. Men with a more significant cardiac history we would normally arrange a referral to a cardiologist for advice and recommend stopping all sexual activity until the specialist assessment. The European Association of Urology estimates that sexual activity is equivalent to walking one mile on the flat in 20 minutes or briskly climbing two flights of stairs in 10 seconds. Men who can complete this level of exercise without symptoms are deemed to be low risk, and those who would struggle would be referred to cardiology for further assessment, including an exercise ECG. Sexual activity is generally considered to be equivalent to four minutes of the brusque treadmill protocol. We should refer to secondary care as an emergency if there is priapism, that is, a painful prolonged erection for more than four hours following erectile dysfunction treatment, to urology if there is anatomical abnormality, young age, or not responding to maximum tolerated doses of at least two PDE5 inhibitors, to endocrinology if we suspect hypogonadism, to cardiology if at high or intermediate cardio risk of sexual activity, and to psychosexual and relationship counselling or mental health services if there is a psychogenic cause or a severe mental health condition. Alternatively, if we decide to prescribe a PDE5 inhibitor in primary care, we will explain that these drugs will have no effect on the sex drive or libido, 
and that they require sexual stimulation to be effective. And that sildenafil 50 milligrams tablet of Viagra Connect can be purchased over the counter without a prescription. We will warn, however, that erectile dysfunction medications are amongst the most commonly counterfeited medicines in Europe and that buying online should only be through legitimate sources like registered pharmacies. And we will advise about the importance of dose timing. Sildenafil should be taken about one hour before planned sexual intercourse and the effect can last four to five hours. We also need to explain that food intake can reduce the absorption of sildenafil by an average of one hour. On the other hand, tadalafil, for example, needs to be taken only 30 minutes before sexual intercourse, has a duration of up to 36 hours, and food ingestion has no effect on it. We will also explain that PDE5 inhibitors, except generic sildenafil, are not automatically prescribable on the NHS. Therefore, before prescribing it, we will need to assess whether the man qualifies for an NHS prescription, and if not, we will offer a private prescription. NHS prescriptions should be endorsed SLS if the man qualifies for NHS treatment because of diabetes, neurological conditions such as multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, spina bifida, etc., prostate cancer, pelvic trauma like in pelvic injuries, radical pelvic surgery or prostatectomy, renal failure treated with dialysis or by renal transplant, or is experiencing severe distress as assessed by specialist. However, as already mentioned, generic sildenafil does not need to be endorsed with SLS for NHS prescribing. Phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitors are usually taken intermittently as needed normally as one treatment dose per week on the NHS. However, if appropriate, knowledge says that a higher frequency may also be prescribed on the NHS. After the initial prescription, we will follow up the patient after six to eight weeks, and if there is poor response, we will consider increasing to the maximum dose, trying each PDE5 inhibitor four to eight times at the maximum tolerated dose before switching to an alternative we will suggest a trial of at least two different PDE5 inhibitors taken sequentially before considering the patient as a non-responder. If taken tadalafil, we can consider increasing the dose frequency such as switching to once daily rather than on demand depending on our clinical judgment. The BNF states that tadalafil may be prescribed daily on a dose of 5 mg once daily for patients who anticipate sexual activity at least twice a week, although the dose can be reduced to 2.5 mg once daily, depending on the response. We also need to be aware that hypogonadism and a low testosterone level may result in a reduced response or non-response to a phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitor. I will now give just an overview of some prescribing information, and in terms of contraindications, we will not prescribe a phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitor if there is unstable angina or angina occurring during sexual intercourse, regular or intermittent use of nitrates in any form, hypertension, that is, a systolic blood pressure below 90, a recent MI or stroke, or a history of non-arthritic anterior ischemic optic neuropathy. There are a number of other contraindications for specific PDE5 inhibitors in renal or hepatic impairment, 
and other cardiovascular conditions. So I would recommend looking at the specific recommendations for whichever drug you intend to prescribe. Equally, there's also a long list of cautions which we would need to check for each individual patient. In terms of drug interactions, there is a severe interaction with nitrates and concurrent use of PDE5 inhibitors and nitrates, including necrandol and amyl nitrate, also known as poppers, are absolutely contraindicated due to the risk of hypertension. There's also an increased risk of hypertension with alpha blockers and sacubitril valsartan, so caution is also advised. Finally, just to mention that other treatments available for erectile dysfunction are penile injections, medicated urethral system for erection or meals, vacuum devices, vascular surgery, angioplasty and penile prosthesis. We have come to the end of this episode. Remember this is not medical advice and it is only my summary and my interpretation of the guidelines. You must always use your clinical judgment. Thank you for listening and goodbye.